Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. This is the place to learn how to get through your worst rock bottom and start to embrace adversity. I'm your host, Petra Belzebor. I'm a therapist and a life coach, but my biggest learning is from my own rock bottom. My story includes being raised in a cult, dealing with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and alcoholism. But along the way, I've learned to turn my entire life around to one of success, joy, and fulfillment. So in this podcast, I'll be talking to people from all walks of life who've done the same. I'll be teasing out the skills and tools necessary, as well as using my own experience to teach you how to turn your adversity into your biggest advantage. All right, welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to invite Amanda Devine, I just love that that's her name, (laughs) um, to the podcast to tell us a bit about her story. She is a a life coach, but has a background in change management. Tell tell us a little bit about what you're passionate about at the moment within your work. Uh, So at the moment, um, specifically within my life coaching, um, I'm really passionate about coaching um, what I would call the wanderers of the world, the travelers of the world, Um, people that are specifically at the moment working or living in what I would call mainstream way of living and working. Um, and so sort of by the book. Yeah, by the book, yeah. by what society dictates and expects of them. And that just doesn't sit right with them. You know, it doesn't kind of resonate with their soul essence. And so they're really um, exciting stuff for me. And they also... Um, kind of fit in with my life pattern as well like I see myself in them sure so, that's the best way yeah, right that's yeah. the best way. so um, that relationship works really well I connect really well with those type of people and they are when I say travelers of the world wanderers of the world they are literally doing that like at some point during our coaching relationship they literally They'll get on flights leave and leave the country <laughs> and then they're calling me from like Peru or Brazil or India and it's just fantastic awesome stuff because it's an exciting journey for both coach and client. And so what are some of the the good outcomes that you get with those types of clients? Um, Well actually um, I had a client a couple of weeks ago who called me from Croatia and she's just um, she's been traveling through India and the just the pure change in her was phenomenal Mm -hmm. and what was beautiful was it wasn't just me seeing it you know through the eyes of a coach she she could see it she could feel it she could breathe it and Mm -hmm. she everything she was saying was just like I don't think I would have done this six months ago I don't think I would have thought this six months ago and and she is just my star star client oh love it love those love it when a plan comes Mm. together Mm. so as you know this is all about adversity and it's coming a bit from some of my my own story of um you know being raised in a cult and alcoholism depression all Mm. those sorts of things that could have meant that life just went down the shitter for want of a better word um, and there was some choice there, and I've learned some tips and, and tools, and mm. um, I'm so excited just to to learn from you today. Mm. So give us a little bit of context just about your sort of childhood, growing up. What what was that like for you? Do, do you think your parents prepared you for life? Oh, that's a bigger question. Um, yes and no. 
Sure. Um, so I think that's probably the, the answer yeah, yeah, that most yes. people give. <laughs> I have, you know, I'm not going to lie, I had a very fortunate childhood. Sure. I grew up with parents that I knew loved me. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a family of four. So there's me and my sister and our parents. Um, I never had to want for much. Um, so we lived, you know, an adequate lifestyle. Uh, we traveled. I lived in Dubai for a period of time. The traveler thing started. Yeah. Really. Okay. yeah. And um, so, you know, I was lucky. I, I didn't really feel like I'd been, you know, dealt a raw deal, so to speak. Um, having said that, I think there are traits that I now see in myself that are problems. You know, they're issues for me. Mm-hmm. Um and I think, you know, does any parent really, you know, get a manual, get a guidebook and know how to bring up their kids? Absolutely and not. No. So, um, and there's so much pressure yeah. through education, through society about how parents should yeah. do things that it's, it's as yeah. a parent, speaking as a parent, it's yeah. hard. <laughs> I think it's just something that, you know, I'm 41 and these issues are big and I'm just recognizing them now and unraveling them now and could I have unraveled them earlier could my parents have you know identified those issues maybe but you know there's no point in laying blame anywhere a hundred percent and just from a therapy background um it's never about blame, I don't mm. think. It's about what can we understand about our history that can help us understand ourselves, yeah. right? And yeah. like you said, how we cope with things yeah. now because there's so many influences. Education is another big one, though. Yeah. It isn't just parents. It's siblings, education, Absolutely. media, society, everything, right? Yeah, what's, what's really interesting is I picked up on a real um, differentiation between my father's side of the family and okay. how they behave. Yeah. And my mother's side of the family and how they behave. And what I noticed was um, my divine, my father's side, you know, we've always been, we're we're from an Irish background. And so I don't know how much you know about Irish families. But for me, they're a bit like Italians. They're like quite loud and they're... um, they're they're argumentative and that was always prevalent drinkers. in my child drinkers. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's the drink that makes yeah. them argumentative. Um, so that was always quite you know, I remember volatile situations when I was younger, you know, arguments that went on in our family and bust ups and you know, just over petty things. Whereas I've I suddenly realised in the last couple of weeks I was like, hang on, I was at a wedding. Um, with my mum's side of the family and I was like hang on they never argue they always joke they always laugh about stuff but I've never seen them have an argument really? it was really bizarre and it was something that only came to me recently and what filtered down to you and how you cope with challenges well this was the interesting thing because they're on my mum's I mean, on both sides were, you know, they're very much jokers. Mm-hmm. And as a child, I was the young, you know, the actress, the the comedian, look at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and as an adult, I very much lost that. You know, I very much lost that playfulness. Um, I have, you know, taken on a seriousness that, mm-hmm. you know, has kind of dominated my life a little more than I would want it to. Um, and... 
does that come from, you know, watching, you know, people argue and then people make mm. jokes of each other? I don't know. Um, you know, that's maybe something I need to do a bit more thinking on. As I said, it only occurred to me quite recently. But definitely with the um, the argumentative side, I am hugely argumentative with people that I trust but bloody minded to to an extent you know Mm -hmm. it's not like I know my stuff it's not really like I know what I'm arguing about I'm just arguing blindly just for the sake of it it. (laughs) but weirdly that also comes with a suppression of anger and that kind of shadow self you know I've not really engaged with that side of myself you know people who know me very well or how I like to think of myself or how I've been described by people who just meet me is that I'm compassionate sweet you know Mm -hmm. that kind of ethereal kind of feeling aura that it comes but that's not me that's not how I feel to an extent, I feel like there's this big part of me that's quite dark and quite mm. shadow-like that hasn't quite fully come out yet and perhaps needs to. Well, no, not perhaps, needs to, um, because I see it as a form of healing for myself. For it to actually come mm. out. Yeah. So interesting what we carve out in the world for people to see. Yeah. And how we show up. And how even in interviewing people for this podcast, um, you know, people would like to put a wonderful little bow on the end and mm. go, so that, I do it myself. That yeah. happened then and now I can handle anything and everything's perfect, right? Yeah. That's the story yeah. we like to portray, especially as helpers. We want to help other people and they, they trust sure. us if we're sorted. When actually the reality is we've, we, we've sorted certain things and we've mm. been through so much and have come out the other side. But that doesn't mean there isn't, as you put it, a shadow side or um, light and shade yeah, to our personality for sure. and how we cope and how we continue to learn the next level. Like just when you think you figured it out, right, <laughs> you get punched. <laughs> and, you know, when you don't learn, it's like it shows up in a different experience yeah. and it will keep showing up until yeah. you get the message. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, sometimes it takes time. I think mm. it, it, I think the difference now for me is that it goes quicker. Yeah. Um, I, I get it quicker, but that just means I up-level and the next thing comes yeah. up and it's yeah. harder. So so tell us about some of the challenges that you face. So, I mean, I refer to, to rock bottoms. That's how mm. I refer to my experiences. Mm. But some of the adversity that's shown up for you. Um, so, again, as I say, you know, I was very fortunate. So I don't Absolutely. think adversity, you know, obviously you know, during teenage years or, you know, my younger years, as I like to call them, yeah. you know, you've got challenges. But for me, adversity really showed up when my dad died um, about seven seven years ago. I'll probably get that wrong because my mum my always says, you always get the wrong year. Um, yeah, it was a massive, massive deal for me. Um, you know, he was my absolute inspiration Mm. you know if there was a human being that I wanted to emulate it was him and such um, a profound influence on your life yeah yeah and so when he died it just you know created a 
crater mm. in my body, in my soul, in my existence. And, um, you know, it still makes me a bit yeah. wobbly in the voice now. Absolutely. Um, it was, I just wasn't prepared for it, you know. And he, he told me he had cancer and I knew, I could, you know, I just knew he was going to die. And he was at the start of his treatment, or near enough at the start of his treatment then, and something in my being just was like, no, this is you felt end it. game. Yeah, I knew. And so kind of going through that period while he was receiving treatment, knowing that, knowing that his own daughter couldn't believe that he was going to survive was really hard. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously it came true. Um, and how long was that period just from... It was probably about a year, if if a year. Really? And, um, you know, it was particularly, you know, tough type of cancer, esophageal cancer. Um, and, yeah, and it was soul-destroying. And I remember, you know, points, you know, at the funeral not being able to brush my own hair or um watching them lower the coffin into mm. the ground and it was I just couldn't pull myself together um and watching the people around me um kind of hold it together mm. was was strange because I think that's the only time in my life where I've ever really seen myself lose it you know, that's one of my main attributes. I'm incredibly strong. I think it comes from my Scottish Irish stubbornness. Yeah. But um, you know, my mum is incredibly strong and I get a great deal of, you know, that trait from her. And and this was the one occasion where I, I just couldn't be strong. Well you've been strong for so long. Mm. And, yeah. You know? Yeah. And it just felt overwhelming. Yeah. It floored you. It floored me, and it, it's it's like I, you know, it's interesting we use the term rock bottom because mm-hmm. it, I don't know if it was my bottom. Interesting. You know, I, I I felt like as time went on, the rocks underneath me kept moving. Mm. So I was still walking that path. You know, I was going to. I went straight. I went to India about two weeks after the funeral because I had a job to do. Um, and So that's how you knew how to cope, was just keep, yeah, keep showing just, up just in the world. Yeah, keep going, keep going. And then, you know, every so often I'd have a dip. And I think the, the dip just finally, you know, was no longer a dip um, when I had a burnout in 20, I think it was 2014. Mm-hmm. And I literally showed up for work one day and this you know I was a high flyer at the time you know I was doing well I um had worked in India I was working in New York for a period of time I was working for a large publishing company and you know I walked into work and I remember it being January um January 7th or something and I switched on the computer and I had no idea how to work this machine and yet I worked with computers since I was like 
God so, knows so how old. What was that like? You just were sort of blanked out or frozen or? I was having a massive anxiety attack. Yeah. I was frozen and then I literally just started shaking and I picked up my laptop and was walking around this, you know, eight floor building aimlessly looking for someone to just notice me mm. and and help me. And I remember turning up at a colleague's desk and just hysterical, just floods of tears with a laptop in hand. And he took me to one of the basement office rooms because um, he knew it would be private there. And I was just howling like a baby. And he just took the laptop off me and um, said, got my stuff, told me to go home. I went to the doctors and the doctor basically said, you can't go back, you know. I don't care what you say this time, you can't go back. Um, and that had happened because um, I'd previously gone to see her, the doctor, and I'd coughed up blood. And I was just, I was working on a project. It was like ridiculous hours. I was, you know... No one was forcing me to do it, but I was just trying to be perfect. I was trying. Do you, do you to... think you, you used work as an escape for how you were really feeling? For sure. I think it was my mask. Okay. For sure. It was your safe place in yeah. a way. Yeah. I, I knew could... what to do there. I knew how to be. There were I... rules. Well, yeah, and I like to break them sometimes. <laughs> but uh, but um, it was very much about... Um, yeah, I, I felt at home there. They were my family. Um, and to a certain extent, I just didn't recognize them anymore. You know, the, the company was going in one direction. I couldn't keep up. My heart couldn't keep up because my values were not with them anymore. I didn't know what I needed. I didn't know what I valued, but I knew that this place was like the ground was no longer solid beneath my feet. And you didn't know what you needed because I always ask people, mm. did they ask for help? Was yeah. there someone they could ask for help? Yeah. And sometimes it's, I wouldn't have known what to say or mm -hmm. I didn't recognize the need mm -hmm. in myself until I burnt out or yeah. had that rock bottom. Yeah. Were there people for you that you could talk to or... Did you not even know what to ask for? I didn't know how to articulate it. Mm. I, you know, I had great friends there at the time, you know, and still do. Um, but I was so scared that they would think I was mad, that they would think I had lost it. You know, it's that kind of, I don't know if it's something women have in their heads in a corporate company, but it was like what was in my head was that I was this super trooper. You know, you could give Amanda any project yeah, yeah. and she'd get sure. the shit done. Power woman. And, yeah, and then, you know, what I had in my head was that I couldn't do it anymore. So who was I? So um, what, what, what was your identity yeah, then without that yeah, superwoman yeah, label? Yeah. Mm. 
And I just had this feeling that the minute I admitted I could no longer do it, I would, wouldn't be needed. Yeah. So, so I, I didn't know how to articulate it. I didn't want to articulate no. it. To so you're myself. terrifying to yourself more than anyone else, um, yeah. And How terrifying. Because what would that mean, or where mm, would you go from there? Yeah. But you've built a reputation for yourself. Yeah. It's like the fear is that in one minute, yeah, that would be gone. Mm. And then what's left? Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know mm. who I was without that. I was, you know, because it's not like I'd been one of those kids who'd grown up and thought, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be, you know, a marine biologist. Sure, or a clear path. Yeah, I didn't have that ever. My work ethic is what got me through. Oh, um, I get it. I relate so much. <laughs> yeah, if I just work hard enough, yeah. I will be worth enough. Yeah, mm. and so when my work ethic didn't mean much at that point because I couldn't do it, Yeah. Oh God! Yeah, it's the way you got you've gotten through so many things, mm-hmm. or survived, or mm-hmm. moved forward as mm-hmm. a person. Yeah. And if you don't have that, then what replaces it? Mm. Yeah. So it was it was strange because after after that happened, I then made a decision to get a life coach, which was strange, really. At what point, though? Because I have a feeling it wasn't. I go to the doctor, I've been sent home, oh, let me call a life coach. No, no, definitely. It wasn't that. But it was pretty soon afterwards. Okay. Um, I I think what happened was I started going to this organization that put on talks about, you know, changing your life and, you know, quitting the rat race and, you know, getting away from big corporate firms. And... I went along to one of these talks and it, there, was a, there was a life coach there and she was, you know, giving this most amazing speech and it was like everything she said resonated with me, you know. And I, I was like, okay, where's the pill that I need to take? I'll buy 10 of them, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, quickly. Um, and at the end of that talk, I remember the organiser saying, you know, there are lots of life coaches out there from who we've met and who we've helped and what we've done already. These are the three or four that keep cropping up, the names that keep cropping up. And so I looked at their website. Of course. And I'm very visual. <laughs> at the time, I was like... Did you just look at the pictures? Yeah, I was like, I don't like that website. <laughs> so, um, the design is For flawed. all those out there that don't think a website matters, it does to some of us. Um, and I literally found this one woman, and I liked her website. It was simple. It was straightforward. I gave her a call. We had a 15-minute, 20-minute chat. And I, I loved her. And, and she, what resonated was she had a very similar story. Um, you know, she, she's obviously a different person. She had different experiences, sure. but she had had a burnout. Um, and I felt safe with her. And it's been an ongoing relationship ever, ever since. You know, I've, I've 
you know, tried other coaches and I've always gone back to to um, this coach. And can, I don't know if I can name her, probably not. <laughs> um, That's up to, if you're bigging her up, yeah, you absolutely well, can. Absolutely. Her name is Charlie Cox and Love she's it. a fantastic coach. And yeah. um, she changed my life. I really do think that. Yeah. She, she... She would say the opposite. She would say, I changed my life, as all coaches do. Of but course. She enabled you yeah, to change your life. It's, it's, a, it's a relationship. It's a relationship that's, you know, safe, secure, and, and so progressive. You know, you, coaches have that ability to see the best in you. And, and she just never seemed to stop seeing the best in me. And How powerful. So simple, yeah, though. So simple. So but simple. The, believing that you could yeah. change anything. Yeah. And that was when it all started. And So what was that, what was the, what was that next phase of, of obviously, self-development? But that, Yeah, so I, I kind of said to Charlie, there are two things, okay, that I want to work on. Of course. <laughs> I <laughs> Let's was focus like, this. <laughs> I was like... I either want to get another job pretty quick, yes, or I want to go traveling. And, nice, two choices. Um, within six months, I was traveling the world. So I was, you know, I went to Africa for two months, overlanding. Oh wow! Um, had the most amazing experiences there. I went to Bali. I went to India. I went to Vietnam, and then I came home to look after my mum, who had then been diagnosed with cancer. And... Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. And the difference was, you know, I think my mum at the time thought somehow she was less special than my dad because I didn't react in the same way. And it goes back to that feeling that I talked about, you know, instantly with my mum, I was like, you're going to be fine. You could just sense it. I knew, and, and you know, she is fine. She she got through it like a trooper. And oh, interesting. It was really, you know, it was a solid, you're going to be fine. Whereas with my dad, it was the opposite. And um, so I did, I looked after her for four or five months um, while she was going through her treatment. And then I came back to London, um, did my coach training, and went back to work for the same company. Did you? Did I went you? back to work for the same company for a period of time, but this time as a freelancer. I I made the decision to go back as a contractor on my own terms because I'd been traveling. I'd had this mm. new sense of freedom and ownership of my life. Possibility. Um, and, you know, there was that sense of, I, you know, and I don't think this ever stops, but for me, it's really important. Unravel yourself, own yourself, and be yourself. And so... Say that again. Unravel yourself, own, own yourself, yourself, be, be yourself. yourself. And the, the interesting, the unravel bit mm. can feel pretty messy. Yeah. Right? Oh, my God. It, right? So, <laughs> and it never stops. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it never stops. So, But it can feel different. Yeah, I think what what for me, and I talk about this a lot with, you know, colleagues, is the recovery time. Mm -hmm. So it's not that we ever get rid of 
the parts of ourselves that we don't particularly want to show in public yeah. or, you know, what, whatever you want to call that, the shade, the shadow self, the darkness. Yeah. The, some people call it negative emotions, you know. Mm. It's, they're not negative, it's the way we manifest them, you know, Absolutely. for me. Um, but, you know, that never stops. It's just that we become aware yeah. much quicker. Yeah. And then when we're aware, we're able to able to recover quicker. Um, and everything's temporary, right? So it's... doesn't feel like that when you're in it. No, does it, it doesn't. <laughs> it really doesn't. You know, it feels like hell and it feels like you're never going to get out. And, mm. you know... And that nobody knows what you're going through. And nobody does, right? Well, they don't, but everyone's thinking that, Mm. going through their own thing. Mm. And I do think when we're transparent and open, and Mm. part of the purpose of me doing this is because I want stories out there so that people know, yes, my story might be different, but everyone has something, Yeah. right? And I think that's the really interesting part is because, you know, our stories are our stories, so there are experiences. So in that sense, you know, it's that that great divide. You know, we are in a world of interconnectedness, and yet we are also separate. On our own journey. Yeah. And that's the battle that we're always, you yeah. know, fighting, or the stones that are always rubbing against each other, is that that's never going to go. But as you say, ways of kind of getting stories out there and making them more relatable you know letting people know that they're not alone and I know that sounds kind of cheesiness but loneliness is a big deal in our world today in the city huge yeah yeah that loneliness in a crowd thing Mm. huge yeah Yeah. and and the the story we tell ourselves about it in our head that we're the only one feeling that way kind of can add to the spiral Mm. of you know let's stay here Mm. you know yeah so you got onto this life coaching path yourself um while sort of doing some some contracting work Mm. and feeling more ownership Mm. of your life Mm. what happened then (laughs) well in true divine style yes I never like to make my life easy so I decided that one day I was like you know I had visited a friend of mine in Barcelona, and um, I loved the city so much. It's beautiful. I was just there this summer. Yeah, Amazing. I loved it so much. So I just I came back that weekend, and I was like, right, I'm moving to Barcelona. Oh, of course. <laughs> and everyone was like, what? And they were like, Amanda, people move house, people move jobs, people you know, do things one thing at a time so as not to put extra stress on themselves. And you're doing all of this. You're moving country. You're moving jobs. You're, you know, you're um, changing your way of life. Um, And also it was at the point where I hadn't yet properly launched my business. So I was choosing to go to a country where I didn't speak the language And yet I was choosing to launch my business, even though my clientele was back in London, I was choosing to go to Spain. And so, yeah, at the time I thought I was just being hugely inspirational. Spontaneous. Spontaneous and exciting and keeping up that kind of, you know, 
just do it kind of attitude. Um, you know, you only live one life, so just go for it. And love that attitude. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad I did it. Yeah. But at the same time, it was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. And what I found, I was. It was just too much at yeah. one point. You know, I was putting. I was being heavily critical of myself. You know, why are you not learning Spanish as quickly as you need to? Mm. Why are you not getting as many clients as you need to? Um, why are you living here? Like, what are you doing here? And so, not really enjoying the journey. Not really, no. <laughs> and you know, I was enjoying Barcelona, but I felt like a. I felt lonely. Sure. I felt really lonely, isolated, mm, really isolated. And yet, I had marvelous people around me who were trying their best to, you know, get me out, get me out and about and do things or just, you know, see the brighter perspective in life. Um, and all my friends and family back home were like, look at what you're doing. Of this course. is awesome. Yeah, from a distance. It looks amazing. Yeah. So um, that was that was hard. And I think, you know, it got to November of last year and I was like, okay, what do I need to do? Um, and I decided to go to India because India is very much my spiritual home. Mm. And I have some friends there that run a retreat. And I thought, you know, if anywhere is going to ground me, it's going to be India. It's where I had my first awakening when I went traveling. You know, I unraveled a large part of myself in India. Right. So I thought, let's go. And I got to India, and <laughs> I ended up with a fever that lasted about a week. So oh, God. Real unraveling. Real unraveling. <laughs> and, but, you know, other than that, it was just like any other holiday or any other period of travel. I was there for two months, and I came back to um, Europe, and that's when I found out I had a lump in my breast, and I came back to the UK to go to my doctors and I was diagnosed with grade 3 um, IDC breast cancer. So that's, you know, that was back in March mm -hmm. and we're now in September. So I'm currently going through breast cancer treatment. Which takes away my question of what adversity are you facing mm. now? Um, it's it's real and it's yeah. present and I know even scheduling this in was in between treatment and, yeah. and getting it just right within your schedule yeah. um, how do you cope how do you how do you get through each day I I don't know <laughs> um, what is really interesting um, you know when you contacted me about the adversity mm -hmm. um, was you know I was thinking you know how does adversity change, you know, and, you know, does one experience, is your next experience always harder? You know, is that how it goes? And I'm not sure it does, you know, is, can, is being diagnosed with cancer worse than the death of my father? No, mm. you know, and that maybe sounds shocking to some people, but... It's your experience. It's my experience. Um, this, however, is you know, 
three-dimensional. Like, it's, it's mental, it's physical, and it's spiritual. And, you know, all of that is debilitating and then uplifting, at some point, um, dependent on where you are in the journey. Um, you know, I was thinking of when was I at my worst? And again, I was like, is there a worst? Are they comparable? Um, is the emotion ever the same in order to be comparable? No. But my lowest point that I can think of in this journey so far was two months ago Mm. and I I was reading my journal last night um, and it was shocking and I really remember that day two months ago where I I literally thought I was going insane and I don't use that word insanity lightly I I honestly thought I was losing my mind I thought you know if someone was in the room with me right now, they would section me, throw away the key. Um, what what was that? What what was coming up? Was it the, just the dark thoughts? Was it hopelessness? It's it's everything. It's you know. I think it what it is is it's you're you're physically exhausted. And I can never use words that describe the fatigue that comes with chemotherapy treatment um but you're exhausted and so therefore you go into your dark side you go into the dark thoughts of you know I'm gonna die Mm. um I'm a horrible person because there was a lot of hatred a lot of anger in those moments you know anger towards people that have kind of you know um perhaps haven't showed up for me during my treatment in the way that I expect them to. Um, There was anger and hatred towards myself for the thoughts that that brought up. Um, There was anger and hatred towards the universe, like why me? Mm -hmm. Um, Hopelessness of I just, I can't do it anymore. Like the energy, I don't have it in me. I don't have the strength. And then, you know, anger in the sense that, you know, this is a fact. I'm the third person in a family of four to have this. And, you know, every step you take forward, you know, when you wake up and you have a good day and you manage to have a shower and you're like, yay, I had a shower. And then you, you, you make dinner or you make lunch or you see some friends or you get out of the house. It's, it's a real win. And you're like, your perspective, you know, is shifting. And then you're pulled back into that, you know, dark place. Um, and it feels, yeah, it feels like, you know, every step forward you're taking, someone is intentionally pulling you back 12 Someone is intentionally. Yeah. So that's, that's the darkness. Like. Yeah. So you start to think it's all a conspiracy. Mm. Someone has it in for you. You know, and what's interesting is um, I went through this period two months ago where I was like, you know, I'm not a religious person. When I talk about, you know, spirituality, I really mean 
you know, joy, peace, the universe, the beauty in life mm-hmm. um, that is all around us. But in those dark moments, I started to think, what if there is a God? Well, he doesn't have, he or she, mm-hmm. or it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> does not have room for everyone up there or wherever it is. And so you're not only fighting against the rest of humanity, but you go in and you go and have your cancer treatment, your chemotherapy, and you're looking around the room and you're saying, what if she gets it? What if he gets it? You're fighting. It feels like sometimes it's a competition. And of the 10 people receiving chemotherapy, who will be the one to win the grand prize? Um... And but then, it, in a in a regular competition, mm-hmm. you might say, "Well, if I just practice this skill more, or if I right, <laughs> then perhaps I'll have the edge." Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas in this, it, I imagine there's a feeling of more powerlessness mm. around uh, luck, fate. I think that's it. I think it's it's you know, there's no holy grail. There's nothing you can do or drink or eat or you know Mm. it's so complex and yet at the same time you know I I also believe I can heal myself so this is where the insanity comes in it's like you're switching the whole time perspectives you are going around in your head so much you know, people would phone me and say, have you tried this fruit? Have you tried this, you know, this supplement? Mm-hmm. And at one point I was, you know, if you walked into my kitchen right now, you would see everything. Like, yeah. I have hundreds of supplements. In, yeah. You know, and do I use them? No. I but imagine that gets overwhelming as well. Everyone's <laughs> trying to help. And there's so much research. Like, if you just went on Google, you yeah. could just be, you know. Yeah. blindsided with the yeah. amount of research yeah. um, and what applies to you, yeah. what doesn't, you know. Where, where well, I think, you know, you get caught in the trap of you're missing the point. Mm. You know, you were born as a unique individual. You mm. have unique DNA. Mm-hmm. You have a unique purpose in life that you. some people spend their whole lives trying to unravel. And you also have this unique ability to heal yourself. And so for me, coming out of that dark time was about trusting myself, surrendering to this process and saying, do you know what? I have cancer. Mm -hmm. If I do this, will it heal me? Will chemotherapy heal me? Maybe. If I didn't do chemotherapy and went completely natural and juicing and vegan diet, Mm -hmm. would it heal me? Maybe you know what, I'm going to surrender to the fact that this is going to go when it needs to go. And that's it. And That's so powerful, but hard. Hard, and still is hard. And isn't just a one-time thing, is it? No, it's not. It's not. Um, So trusting my authentic self, trusting my inner being, to know that this is not the end for me. You know, I've always known that since since the start, even 
when I was in those dark times Mm -hmm. and even when I still do have those dark times I know this is not end game for me so I wondered about that given that you sort of had feelings about your dad and about mm. your mum and I was wondering well what's your feeling about yourself well my feeling is this is me tilting the rudder yeah so I'm in a boat and I've gone off course how happy well <laughs> I don't think you're ever off course is right. my utter belief yeah. so you have many courses yeah and they all lead to the perfection that is you. But it feels like the direction has changed. Yeah. It's sure. almost like I I am really into alternative complementary therapies. Um, I love kind of explore I'm an experienced person. Mm-hmm. So for me, I don't you know, I buy lots of books and I read them and I probably, I don't know if I ever remember anything from them. Sure. But for me, it's all about the experience. You know, I, I'm almost surrendering to my design. So self-development is everything for me. And so tilting the rudder is... At this moment, this is what I'd call it, tilting the rudder. Mm-hmm. I'm in the boat and I wasn't quite, you know, reading the right map or I lost the map. And so some universal force was like, oh, tilt the rudder. You know, you know, cancer for me is it's a learning process. It's it's like it's like I, I know this sounds hugely um may even sound quite offensive to some people, but it's like I paid for this course a long time ago, um and forgot about it. <laughs> you probably paid for the outcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah. I want to learn this long list of stuff, and I'll do it any way I have yeah. to. <laughs> exactly I love that recovery yeah. for me um yeah and definitely you're like oh this yeah. is the path yeah, yeah. I, I do I do believe that there there is you know I was never gonna bring my anger out I was never gonna bring out the rage I was never gonna kind of say no to people for certain things I was never gonna mess with that take, image yeah, mess with that image. And so this gives me the permission that I need to be all of those things and to do all of the things that people probably are thinking, who does she think she is, you know, and feel unashamedly about that. Um, That's so liberating. Yeah. That painful and, painful, and, and terrifying. <laughs> Uh, mm. when you're in it, mm. um, but I know we, you know, happiness was the emotion we were allowed to have, happiness and excitement as mm. children, um, sadness at other people's misfortune, mm. um, but never, we, we could have a sense of justice at the underdog, but again, not about us, and so unbridled anger was definitely not an emotion that was yeah. okay, 
And so going through, you know, having kids really young, uh, suffering with alcoholism and depression and all of that, um, suddenly the mm. ugliest demon of rage at all the things that hadn't gone right and at all the people who hadn't helped, you know, mm. a bit of self-pity yeah. mixed in there, but a real range of ugly sides, you know, yeah. which is terrifying. And, and the reaction we often have is we want to hide away. I don't want anyone to see me like this, so mm. I will lock my doors until mm. I have recalibrated and I'm okay enough to go out into the world. Unfortunately, that prolongs often the agony. And it, for me, my learning has been that even in those times, it's in connection and transparency and openness that I can be fully myself and move through that darkness mm. uh, quicker, but also in a different way. I was yeah. going to say that more. Mm. That's really interesting because it kind of points me to the, the lessons that I I still need to learn as part of this journey because, you know, I I am still withdrawing. You know, I I found myself having a really hard week this week, mm. and I shut the curtains and just hid away, and it is that feeling of you know, as you say, recalibrating and then face the world, then put on the smile and say, yeah, I'm doing great. And I've, you know, been really struggling of late to do my next video blog, which, you know, I started this Cancer is My Gift video blog. And I haven't done one in months because I've been in a really dark place. And physically, I haven't been able to articulate that or get to a computer (laughs) And have five minutes of just me just crying. Who wants to watch that? But, um, you know, there's there's a part of me that needs to articulate that to the world. Because I equally don't want to portray cancer as this, what, oh, you know, it's it, cancer is my gift. It's a positive perspective. It no, can be a gift, yeah. as you know, even mm. in the darkness. And yeah. is, isn't it interesting that you want to portray cancer on a good day? Yeah. Right? Exactly. When you can articulate and communicate, Mm. but think of the the power Mm. of people connecting to Mm. the struggle and the suffering Mm. and the adversity, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, you know, it's a lesson I have to learn and it will come. It just hasn't come yet. And again, this is the interesting thing for me in terms of unraveling myself because that's still something I'm resisting. The unravel. Um, The unravel of that. You know, Mm. I'm still trying to be super strong. Perfect. Yeah, super perfect, super strong. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I personally believe there's nothing wrong with taking time away. And Mm. and, um, sometimes we need that. Um, But I give myself 24 hours now, Mm. max. Mm. Because after the 24 hours, the insanity begins. Yeah. And so I give myself 24 hours to feel as sorry for myself as possible to, to draw the curtains and to isolate. Mm. And then I text somebody. And it doesn't have to be video blogging. I mean, like, that's you. That's yeah. like, boom, let me show myself <laughs> up in the world. I mean, I, I, I admire you and think you're so brave anyway. Um, and, but that is obviously a, a quite a level. But there's, there's smaller steps yeah. before that, right? And I think that's it, right? So I, I haven't quite learned that. There are smaller steps. You can let people in. 
I think I'm still trying to, for me, inspiration is hugely important, especially with women. You know, Mm. I have a need in me to be inspirational to others. And as a result, there are times where I need to let others in to help me without going to the extreme of, you know, video blogging it to the Mm. world. You know, there are, as you say, there are steps before that. And so, you know, it's not always about being an inspiration on that level. And I always say, you know, people talk in black and white. Mm. Happiness, sadness, good Mm. days, bad days, Mm. you know, good side, dark side, Mm. right? When actually there's a whole range of grays and colors and Mm. all sorts of things in between that we can communicate in a different way. So it's not I'm an inspiration or I am a drain. Yeah. I am positive or I am negative. Yeah. I am communicating my inspiration on a down day mm-hmm. because life is hard and people relate to that. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm showing up. That's inspiration. Yeah. Right? So there are so many. I always say there, there is at least one opportunity every day to practice courage yeah. and to practice authenticity. Yeah. And it can be tiny. Yeah. And I think it's about um, appreciation as well. Having... You know, appreciating yourself in those those small moments where you are making a difference. Um, but, you know, no, as human beings, you know, we don't always have the awareness of those small moments. You know, we, we practice our life out on the big stuff. And so it's really about learning that, you know, what did I do today that I'm proud of? Oh, what did I do today that I appreciate myself for? So practicing um, self-compassion yeah, first. Yeah. Or as well as. Yeah. Yeah. Self-compassion, self-love. Um, you know, I love the word selfish now. I love oh, it. yes. <laughs> we all need a bit of that, right? <laughs> yeah. No shame. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I think, um, you know, this is the, hopefully it's the biggest journey of my life I am hoping that my next experience will not be as traumatic (laughs) as this one um but adversity for me is like you know um it is those those opportunities in life to to kind of learn more about yourself build the muscle yeah to get to know yourself like there are things that I've learned during this journey you know, I think, duh, I should have known that. <laughs> Why about have I learned myself. that? Yeah. Um, you know, but we forget, you know, as I said, everything is temporary. So, you know, even, you know, how we feel in this moment will become... Can shift. Yeah. And so I realize you're right in the thick of your adversity yourself. Mm. But from this place, yeah. what advice would you give? to someone else who's going through their own personal, unique mm. adversity? I, I mean, it, it kind of comes back to what I said before, you know, unravel yourself, own yourself, and be yourself. And I think within that, there's a certain amount of surrender and forgiveness for me. Forgiveness. Yeah, forgiveness is a big thing. Um, so we're not used to forgiving other people, never mind ourselves. And I think the most important thing 
from for me is to learn to forgive yourself um to to be compassionate to yourself you know to practice those moments of self love um you know whether that be i don't know self massage or you know taking time out mindfulness um i wish someone had taught me meditation when i was you know five yeah <laughs> um yeah it's though what would that have given you i have peace of mind mm. you know clarity the ability to stop the ability to stop which is huge to, when you're ambitious be, and driven yeah, like you are to to hold back and to look at things from a different perspective um you know i i was with my nephews last week and um i got them to lie down on the floor and i put headphones on them and i put a kind of creative visualization on for them one of them was like no <laughs> i just don't want to do this just no. this yeah. is weird magical stuff <laughs> but the other one i watched him and he just lay quiet you know in such a state of bliss and peacefulness and i you know just watching that was just pure joy for me because everything i think in answer to your question the most important thing advice i would give is to get back to zero to zero your mind to kind of acknowledge what has gone on to be aware of it and to forgive yourself and thank whoever you need to thank for the lesson and just to then let it go to zero your mind and i think if we're constantly zeroing you know we then accept the imperfections and we're not looking for an end journey of any kind we're just looking to experience so profound and on that note uh we're going to leave it there those beautiful words where can people find you where what's your website how can people find you that's a good question <laughs> can i remember yes who um, are you so my website is www.amandadivine.com Very good. Yeah. Very simple. People Very straightforward. <laughs> Very good. Thank you so much for your time. Um as I said, I do admire you. I mean, I talk about my adversity, but I've certainly haven't faced um cancer with uh, you know, such pride and honor in the way that you are. I know this is going to be so valuable for so many people. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If something helped you today, please do share this episode with a friend and let them know that they are not alone. I know that for me isolation kept me stuck much longer than I needed to be. So let's practice courage and talk to someone about what's going on as that's the first step to making life amazing. Check out my website petrovelsboer.com for your free Kickstarter plan which will teach you to turn your biggest weaknesses into your greatest strengths. Join the community of people who are changing the way they view life's challenges and living life to the full. Until next time. Goodbye.